Our gospel text for today comes from Matthew chapter 5, and this reading will also be the basis for our sermon today. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is. Alleluia. How many of you are fans of the series Man- The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? Anyone seen that? Watch that? Some people, a little bit. You know, if, if you've seen Baby Yoda references and culture, that's where it comes from, right? Uh, our neighbor across the street from us, he decorates for Christmas and he has a truck that he fills with different stuffed animal characters and whatnot that he lights up for Christmas. And one of the characters he has recently had the past couple of years is, is Baby Yoda. Now, the Mandalorian, that is about an individual. Mando is kind of his nickname in this series. And he's part of a sect, part of a, a, a group of, of uh, Mandalorians and they operate in a certain way. You might recognize them from their, their helmet and their armor that they, that they wear. In fact, wearing their helmet is very important to them. They never take their, their helmet off in front of other people. In recent episodes of The Mandalorian, we've come to learn a few things. That the Mandalorians are originally from a planet named Concordia. And it's true. That's right. That the Mandalorians, in order to be washed of their sins and iniquities, need to be washed by water. All right? And the Mandalorians, they adhere to a particular belief, a particular creed that they often, and they often say back and forth to each other, 
this is the way, right? So what I've concluded is that the Mandalorians are Lutherans, right? LCMS Lutherans in particular, Concordia and that Augustana. For those of you who know, you know, right? So uh, this is the way is the creed that the Mandalorians follow. This is the way is the name of our Easter sermon series. So last week we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. And so what does that mean for us and for our life? What I want to do during this season of Easter is take a look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that this is the way. This is the way that we, as his followers, live in the kingdom of heaven. This is the way. The Sermon on the Mount, a few details about it. It's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Traditionally, is how it's understood. And the Sermon on the Mount includes all kinds of, of really good practical life application advice, right? Uh, talks about um, lust and divorce. Jesus talks about anger and retaliation. He talks about love for our enemies. He, he talks about thing, piety sorts of things like giving and, and prayer and fasting. He talks about anxiety. Is that applicable to anyone's life? <laughs> in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is telling us the way of living in the kingdom of heaven, he talks about judging others. Judge not, lest ye be judged. That's uh, one of the most common verses quoted from Jesus, from the Bible. So we get to talk about that. What does that mean? The golden rule. Love others the way you want to be loved and treated. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. So this sermon is one of Jesus' famous, probably his most famous, actually one of five sermons or discourses that are listed in the Gospel of Matthew. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. What we heard read just a, a moment ago. Super important that as we look at all these other things about marriage and lust and love and, and judging all these other things, they all come in light of the Beatitudes. It's been said that the Beatitudes are like the doorway into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you don't get the Beatitudes you can't possibly get the rest of what he's saying. And what we see when we look at the Beatitudes is that Jesus is speaking in a pretty 
countercultural terms. He talks about blessings, uh, the blessed. In fact, that, that word beatitude that kind of comes from the Latin word uh, for for blessing. That's how we get that word. And listen to the people that Jesus says are blessed in the kingdom of heaven. The poor, those who mourn, those who are meek, hungry and thirsty, those who are are merciful, those who are persecuted, are some of the people that Jesus refers to as being blessed. Now realize, look, take a look at this compared to how our world thinks, how the kingdom of this earth thinks. When you think about someone being blessed, when someone goes on social media and puts a post up and then puts hashtag blessed, they probably aren't showing the pictures of their poverty. They're showing the new car that they just bought, the new home they just moved into. That's what the world thinks of as being blessed. People don't put pictures of them mourning and grieving on social media. They put pictures of them being happy on family vacations down to Florida where you go and take your Christmas pictures. This is what we're doing in a few days, right? And you all look great. And everyone looks like they're getting along and smiling. That's what we think of as being blessed. Not mourning. Meek? No, no, not in our world. We think those who are bold, they're blessed with the, by the Lord. Meekness? Those who can't fend for themselves? Is that actually blessed? Those who are hungry and thirsty are those who the world pities. Those who are merciful? Is that the way of the world? Or is the way of the world more like Cobra Kai? You know what I mean? Cobra Kai from Karate Kid? No mercy in this dojo, right? Mercy is for the weak, is what the saying goes. And those who are persecuted, who blessed? We have to recognize that when Jesus opens up the Sermon on the Mount, that already he is showing that the kingdom of heaven, it looks a lot different than what the kingdom of this world looks like. What this world considers pitiful, maybe even cursed, Jesus considers blessed. And this is all in line with the way of Christ. This is the way, the way of the cross. Kings typically don't rule from being executed, from being beaten and and mocked. And yet this is where our Lord Jesus rules this kingdom of the world, or this kingdom of heaven, I should say. It's from the cross, from that place where he took our punishment He took our sin. He took our death so that we could have 
his life. This is the way. So the kingdom of heaven, we recognize, it's almost like an upside-down kingdom. Opposite of the world that we know. We also know this, that, that the kingdom of heaven is empowered by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's gospel empowerment. Now, when we look at the, the Beatitudes, we can see these things and say, oh, okay, the poor are blessed, those who, are more, who mourn are blessed, the meek are blessed. Let's be these things. And we can look at these words, and, and we're so law-driven as people that we take these words as an exhortment. Oh, I need to be more like that. And that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Jesus isn't saying, be more poor, sell your stuff. What's he saying when he looks at us, when he looks at you, when he looks at me, when he looks at our, our soul, our spirit? What's he saying? He's saying, you're already poor. I hope you acknowledge this. He's inviting us to recognize the poorness in our soul, the brokenness in, in our, our lives. In, in verse, excuse me, uh, verse number 7, chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This makes me think about Jesus is teaching a little later in the, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, when he's teaching about a master and his unmerciful servants. Now this servant, he owed a huge debt to his master, more than anyone could could pay more than anyone makes in a year. It was insurmountable. And he was under serious judgment and condemnation for this. And he goes to the master and he says, please forgive me. Please have mercy on me. And you know what the merciful master does? He has mercy on this servant. And so that servant goes out and he's happy for a moment. Ah, master has had mercy on me. However, when he runs into his co-worker, someone that owed him a few bucks from when they played poker the other night, he does not have mercy on his friend. In fact, he not, not only does not have mercy, he, he is so ruthless that he has this person locked up until he can pay the debt. When the master gets word of this, of course, he's furious. Have you not remembered how much I forgave you and you can't forgive your, your brother a little bit? The point of the parable being that because God is merciful to us, that we too get to be, are called to be merciful to others. 
That our mercy towards others is an expression of the mercy that God has shown us. It's a reflection of his light and his grace. That our mercy doesn't earn God's mercy. That our mercy is the result of God's mercy. Same thing in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. Not be merciful so that you can get a blessing. Be merciful because that's what people who follow Jesus do. This is the way. When we follow Jesus, when we follow Him, we follow the one who has been merciful to us, who has been resurrected from the tomb, who has overcome death so that not only do we follow Him to the cross, but we know that that cross leads to that empty tomb, that the cross leads to life, that we follow Jesus because He's the one that's given us the victory over death. This is the way for those who believe. And we're baptized into the resurrection of Jesus and given confidence and assurance that eternal life is ours. Amen. But we also recognize that there is a now, not yet aspect to the kingdom of heaven. Here's what I mean. That there are, there are certainly realities in our world today that reflect the coming of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, into this world. Namely, through the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. We see God's kingdom breaking in. Through his death and resurrection, we see the kingdom of heaven breaking into our realms. However, we know that there's more to come. We know that the kingdom of heaven, it started to come, but it hasn't completely come. It hasn't been consummated, if you will. It hasn't come in its fullness. And we see this in the Beatitudes. He he starts by teaching in in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You recognize like the present tense kind of uh, um, verb going on there? But then he quickly moves to, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That, that future tense expectation. Jesus is a realist. He speaks honestly into our lives, into this world. He knows that this life, before, the, before Christ returns, that this life isn't filled only with sunshine and rainbows and 18-inch powder days. Christ knows that in this world, we mourn. This text is often read on All Saints Day. When we remember those who have gone before us 
in the faith. We mourn their absence. We also mourn our own sinful condition. Lord, when we, we, we long for the day that our sins are no more. And we mourn the fact that we fall short of the way over and over again. Something that we mourn as a congregation, and maybe this is universally true, but we mourn the world that our children are growing up in. Some of our children mourn the world that they're growing up in. Going to school, we pray that today isn't the day that they don't come home. Our schools are filled with shootings. We hear about this all over the media for decades now. And not only that, but now now it's becoming a thing that these false alarms are being called in so that these our kids are put in lockdown. And it, and, and it, it more degrees my soul when I think about the fact that our kids for hours are packed into a little room, keeping quiet, can't go to the bathroom. It's miserable. I mourn when I think of the mental health issues that's hap- that are happening amongst our children and in the schools. And I mourn, and I know some of you all mourn, some of the teachings that the schools are advocating today that aren't consistent with God's Word. Some of us mourn, as, as students, we mourn the fact that kids can't just be kids. People that we can bum around with, hang out with, fit in with. It grieves us to our soul. Where, is our, where are our friends? Why is everyone talking about things that make us uncomfortable? Recently, had someone, a mother, mourning her child who was beat up on the bus ride. And when she went to the school board and shared her story with them, it felt like crickets was the response. Can we see, like, mourning is a real thing. And yet, Jesus tells us, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We know that in this world, things are not the way that they are supposed to be. But, and I'm... Quoting a commentary I studied this week, says this, Dr. Gibbs, one of my professors at the seminary, said, 
so certain and strong is the promise of our final comfort that it impinges on and alters the, pleasant, the present flawed existence we now experience. So true is God's promise that we know that our realities, they're going away. When we say, Alleluia, Christ is risen, how do you all respond? Alleluia, Christ is risen. Indeed, indeed. After, after worship yesterday, or I'm sorry, last Sunday, George and I, we were talking. And if you don't know, uh, George grew up in, am I saying this right, in the Greek Orthodox Church. Is that right? And so he said, in Greek, in the Greek Orthodox Church, what they would say, we, we say Christ, uh, indeed he is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. They say, Christos anesti. Am I saying that right? Christos, Christos anesti. Is that, is that, do I, do I need more like hand mo- movement? Christos, okay, yeah. Listen to him and yeah, he's saying it better. Christos anesti. And he's saying that, translated that means truly Christ is risen. Jesus is alive. He has conquered death in the grave. He has conquered those things that we mourn in this world, including death, including broken relationships, including schools that scare us to death. We know that Jesus has the victory. He has assured us that we will be comforted. And we look forward to that day when Jesus returns, wipes away every tear from our face, and says, you're mine now. This is the way. Hallelujah. Christ is risen.